So we're into August now and summer is coming to an end. I'm very, very excited. Fall is one of my favorite times. I think for me personally, the transition times in the season. So I really like spring. I really like fall. And then I like about two, maybe three weeks of winter. And the same thing, I like about two, maybe three weeks of summer. And then I'm done with those uh, seasons. So I'm glad that summer is coming to an end and we're going to be coming into fall because uh, I'm looking forward to it. If this is your very, very first episode of the podcast that you've ever listened to, you're welcome. First and foremost, hello and thank you. Go back and listen to all the other episodes that we have available. And the easiest way to find that is through our website, energieslovepodcast.com. We have all the places where you can find the show. Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, obviously iTunes, Google Podcasts. Uh, I, can, I can't think of a place where you can't listen to our show. Maybe just like regular radio. If you turn your radio in your car to like 100.3, you will not hear the podcast. But other than that, you can find it anywhere. So thanks for listening. Share it. We always ask that you just tell somebody about the podcast. Like good old fashioned, hey, have you heard this podcast? And let them know where they can find it and listen. Also, real quick, it's super easy. If you would like to donate to the podcast, we have set up the ability for you, the wonderful listener of the podcast who wants to become a monthly donor. You can now do that through PayPal. Pick however much you want, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. And you can just give us money. It'll all go towards this podcast and supporting it. So go to the website down at the bottom. You see the little donate button. And then you can either do a one-time thing, just throw us some cash, which would be awesome. Or you can set it up to where it uh, is just quick and easy every month. So that would be awesome if you wanted to go do that. This episode is also brought to you by the Refinery Barbershop. The Refinery Barbershop is located in Springville, Utah, and is a wonderful old-school experience of sitting down in the old barber's chair and getting your hair cut, getting your beard trimmed, hot towels, straight razor shave, all that stuff. It's a wonderful environment for that to happen and take place. They create this uh, really relaxing experience for you, the patron, to just sit back and get treated to the experience of getting your hair cut. And all the barbers there are super awesome and skilled and talented. So if you are in the market, if you're a little scraggly and just came off the mountain, need to get that beard trimmed up, go check them out. You can go book now at refinerybarbershop.com. Before we get started with the episode, I want to invite you, if you are a man and you are in need of help, and you might not think that you're in need of help, but believe me, you are. Everybody does need help from time to time. And not only from time to time, but really on a consistent, regular basis. We all need to connect with one another, and we all need to help one another. That is a big reason why I started Brave Men Dare. And that's another big reason why we are hosting our first event here in Utah, October 4th through the 6th. And you're invited. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to hang out. And really, I'd like to help you. You get to come to this experience, be supported by other men, slow down, open up, and connect to what you really want in life, and then break free from kind of all your old shit and baggage that potentially has been stopping you from really living and enjoying your life. It's going to be an amazing weekend. We're going to eat great food. We're going to hang out outside. We're going to be doing some cold water immersion and getting into the ice bath. So if that's something that you've wanted to push yourself with, maybe challenge yourself with, this is going to be a great opportunity to do it. We still have some tickets available. So if you go to bravemendare.com, you can find all the information there and sign up. So we did everything that we could to keep it 
reasonable to keep it affordable and right now during august as well we have early bird pricing still available go check it out go learn more hit me up if you have some questions maybe if you're curious about what it really is or what it's going to entail maybe you're a little nervous about it that's totally understandable reach out uh, i'm more than happy to connect and then come join us in october it's going to be amazing so today's episode is with uh, his name's Mike Michael Wade, but we joke in the episode right off the bat you'll hear. It, but I have to introduce him under his full name, which is Michael Salvador Wade. He's a stud. I love this man. Mike and I have been sitting in the same men's group for the past two years. We didn't know each other when he came to the group back in the day, and now he is one of my closest and dearest friends. He's been on the podcast before, but never by himself. So this was just the opportunity to sit down and chill and relax and hang out. I like bringing on people that not only do I love and care about, but that are interesting, are articulate, are deep. Mike is all of those things and more. It's a wonderful episode. You're going to love it. I promise. I guarantee it. Also, when we got done with the episode, because uh, we recorded in the evening out here in uh, our house in the backyard, we got done with the episode and did an ice bath right afterwards which is going to be like the new standard for podcasts I've decided where come out to our house, hang out, record a podcast, and then we're going to get in the ice. Enjoy this wonderful episode with our guest, Mike Wade. And Mike, I love you. Thank you so much. You're a stud. And everybody else sit back and relax. Because here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is Love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. What? what? I was going to say, like, I forgot <laughs> to tell you that Craig really likes it whenever you can't, if you don't hear yourself very well, mm -hmm. if you actually grab the mic and move it around and adjust it as much as possible during the podcast, really? he appreciates it greatly. <laughs> I think you're trying to get me into trouble. I'm not please. trying to get you into trouble. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Craig. Right? I'm having fun with Craig. <laughs> not at all. You're only going to make things worse for me, not for him. <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to do that then. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. So I, you got to get closer already. Really? Yeah, there you go. That, I des I describe my power animal as like one part penguin, one part piglet, and one part millhouse. So if that describes the level of nervousness I experience from day to day, that should like clarify things. <laughs> penguin, piglet, and millhouse. Yes. I, I, will, uh, <laughs> I will not. Okay, don't touch the mic. <laughs> You'll be all right. <laughs> I'm picturing it. Like, I'm, I'm picturing the cartoon version of it. There's, there, you just don't, it's some ugly thing. I know, it's awesome, though. <laughs> well, it's got, like I'm picturing a little head. piglet. I was thinking piglet. No, head. the piglet part's just the tail on the back end. <laughs> and then, like, the two feet, tuxedo body, Millhouse head, walking along. Yeah. Awkward. Either Very. way. <laughs> Very Char Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Walk. Yeah. 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 That's what it would be. Have I ever asked you before? I'm almost certain that I have. But I don't remember, and my brain is very, very um, busy right now and, like, super skittish. Why? Right? There's nothing going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have I ever asked you whether or not it bothers you if I call you Mikey or it bothers you when I call you Mikey? I don't know that I've ever noticed that, honestly. Have I ever asked you that? Uh, not at all. Yeah. Typically it does because that's, like, a family thing. People only call me that if they're, like, relatively close to me. 
but I've never even given that a second thought with you, which is bizarre. Have you ever heard me call you that? Uh, I want to say no. Yeah. Maybe it's just like it just slips through. I don't even notice it. Maybe you are family. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah, you said <laughs> right? like only family, and I'm like, well, we're kind of. It close. just feels normal, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I totally could accept that. Cool. It's never bothered me. Okay, good. I've worried about it, and it's funny because like sometimes I'll catch myself when I think it, like I'll be talking about you sometimes, or I'll be thinking about you, and then I'll think. Like, oh, yeah, Mikey. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't remember if I've asked him whether or not that bothers him or something. You know what I mean? I remember a long time ago I asked Stephen if he liked Steve or Stephen. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty clear. He's like, I like Stephen. Like, Stephen's my name. I'm like, done. And now it's, like, super fucking hard for me every now and then a Steve will come to my head or come to the tip of my tongue or something like that. And I'm like, damn it. Wow. I Never even think to ask people, like, which term they prefer, like the shortened or the full. Yeah. I think it comes from the podcast. Because, like, you Uh have to, you know, ask people, how do they like their name pronounced? You know, do you like your whole name, full name, blah, 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 blah. So I think I got in the habit of being aware of that. Right. Whereas before, I didn't care. I didn't have any awareness about it at all. Well, what about Stephanie? Because you refer to her as Steph. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's Stephanie, right? It is Stephanie. So is there a preference? I go by Steph a lot, but usually Empress or Goddess works too, so you can use those. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> no, Steph is uh, what I prefer, prefer, but it's kind of the same. Like, it's people close to me. If I don't know you, you're like, hey, Steph. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I just go with it, but people that I don't really know don't really call me Steph. But I feel like if I don't like you and you call me Steph, then it's a problem. Does it, it feels, I don't say anything, though. I just sit there and glare. I'm just kidding. It feels more formal if you're not comfortable with somebody to use their full name. Yeah. But yeah. I've been told Michael is very off-putting to people. It's more professional, like white collar. People aren't as like friendly with you or me when I go by Michael. Mike, people would just like smile. I'm like your mechanic friend that they can just come talk to. It's bizarre, the difference yeah. between the two, that people treat me differently between the two. Wow. Did you know that my uh, my first name's Michael? I think I remember you telling me that before. Yeah. Why do you go by Craig? Uh, we just always did. I don't know why. Our parents always called us by our middle names. All three of us, me and my two older brothers. So we all go by our middle names. That would be Salvador for me. Salvador? Yes. Michael Salvador Wade. Yep. Three first names. It's That's how I'm thing. going to introduce you on that, like for the intro before this episode. Right. <laughs> Our guest today is Michael Salvador Wade. <laughs> it's always weird to hear my middle name, honestly. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those I used to be embarrassed of because growing up in Bountiful, it's predominantly white. Uh, I was me and my two sisters uh, were the only like brown kids in our ward that Salvador just stood up. It stood out. So I, I shortened it down to S. If they asked me my middle name, I just said Michael S. Wade. Kind of refused to acknowledge that part of my life, I feel like. Yeah. It wasn't until older where I'm like, it's Salvador. I accept that. That is a part of who I am. It is what it is. It sounds very professional. Does it? Yeah, it sounds like an artist or a crime boss or, do you know what I mean, a drug lord. It I would, like it. It would please you to know and... Any social worker out there, I get told this all the time, that it also stands for Masters in Social Work. 
MSW. Oh. oh. I was trying to like yeah. draw the lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm stuck on yeah. Salvador. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> the full thing is MSW. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know how to feel about that. I'll accept it. You should just run with it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you run with that? I've got my master's in social work. <laughs> Hence my uh, initials. <laughs> Change your whole name and, and then just leave the MSW. I feel like that should have, that was my calling, my destiny. If your name determined like what your career was, MSW, I should have looked into social work. And I did for a while. But the stories people tell you about the experiences they have, kids, things like that. It was way too deep, way yeah. too dark for like my mindset to be able to like do. And I'm like, I am just barely in intro classes. Stop sharing this stuff with me. It kind of deterred me because it was it was dark stuff. It was heavy yeah. stuff. No, they deal with a lot of heavy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's all unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> I wish. So you say you didn't accept your name until later in life. Mm -hmm. What do you have like a defining moment of when you made that switch of when you allowed yourself to be who you are? I can't really think of any one defining moment. It's kind of been a lot of steps along the way. I wouldn't say it was till later in life, definitely more like 30, you know, so mm -hmm. within six years where I've been more accepting of those aspects of my life. Otherwise, it usually was s salvador just wasn't a thing and i've sought more actively to like embrace at least the salvadorian culture as far as like looking for restaurants around that serve the pupusas and kind of doing a little more reading into the history of it like i have tried to be more proactive in making it a part of my life now because i can't do anything about how i was in the past mm -hmm. other than just do better what's it Go no, ahead, gonna, nah. no, what were you going to say? Just like, uh, no, I forgot. <laughs> you, didn't silly. Forget. <laughs> you didn't forget. Do you like have awareness when you do that? Do you feel that sense of pride of like self, self-love? I don't know. Someone did ask me the other day uh, why I don't do, because I volunteer a lot, and someone did ask me why I don't do more to try to improve the conditions in El Salvador. And it's kind of like that had never crossed my mind. And I think it's because as much as I'm trying to bring awareness to it as far as my heritage, I also have no connection to the place. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like I was adopted at six months old, nine months old. Oh, wow. So I as know that. far as I know, I know nothing about it. I have no ties to it. I don't know about family. I have no ties. Wow. Right. That is very interesting. So it's a little different to like actually want to improve the conditions of somewhere where, yeah, I guess I should feel some moral obligation to it or I don't know, some moral desire to, but I just, I live here. I've always lived here. I'd rather improve the conditions for here mm -hmm. first because everyone I know and love are here. Does that make sense? Oh, no. Yeah. I like, I was kind of stuck on the, you're like, I volunteer a lot. I, right. you know, I do all these things and someone says, why don't you do this? Yeah. Right. I was trying to like. <laughs> Why don't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Go with right. it. How comfortable are you uh, about? First off, I should have told you before we started. Like, if <laughs> if there's something you don't want to talk about, then you just say, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about oh, that." Full disclosure: I'm yeah. comfortable with it. We don't have to worry about it. Right. Um, I think I knew that you were adopted, 
somewhere in my the recesses of my brain, I think that is there, mm-hmm. right? And it, like I'm shameful right now that I don't remember that um, because it seems like that's a big thing, right? Right. But I don't think you've really ever talked about that very much and maybe once or twice in the time that we've known each other and you've maybe thrown that out there. So I guess I shouldn't feel that bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of questions about it because I think it's, now that I sit and think about it, I'm like, fuck, Mike, that explains a lot. What? <laughs> what? That just carries a lot of, uh, so we think about it from an energetic standpoint, that alone is going to carry a lot of energy. Okay. That is going to be carried with you throughout your life, regardless of how you want to think about it or not think about it, deal with it or not deal with it, analyze it, you know, all these kind of different things. I believe that something like that just carries a lot of energy. Sure. So regardless. So you're adopted at six months old. Correct. Uh, where were you born? Uh, El Salvador. Okay. Uh, I It was kind of funny. I didn't really understand the whole story or the full story until five years ago. My ex-wife got me the DNA test for Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of into video editing, dinking around with like stop motion, things like that. But I thought it would be fun to record the journey of the DNA test. So I did a three-part kind of trilogy of here's me taking the test, interviewing my parents about my adoption story, and then reading the results of the test. And uh, the interview portion with my parents was interesting because I grew up thinking I was in an orphanage and that they just found me there. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, I guess my mom had given me to a little girl, gave this little girl some money, said I'll be back, and she never came back. My parents in the meantime in Utah were working with a woman who was going to El Salvador to find children to match them up with people back here. Their initial child uh, before me was pretty much going to die. The, the, the people were like, don't bother, uh, find a different baby, which is sad in, in and of itself. But uh, I, I don't know how she came across the little girl and me, but she basically asked the little girl where, you know, my mom was. And uh, the little girl said, I don't know, didn't come back. I don't know what to do with him. Orphanages are all full. They won't take him. So this woman went to the police and said, can I take him? There's a family that would probably, like, take him into their life. And they said, sure. Wow. Okay, stop the fucking presses, Mike. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. Do you know how old you were when uh, she gave you to this little girl? So we have a picture of me in the photo album that I think they got me at nine months, but I think it was really a month. So it was like an eight month, nine month process. So I think she found me when I was literally like a baby and I didn't make it here till I was nine or 10 months old. So okay. I would, I would guess around a month or two, really little. Do you know anything about your biological mom other than that story? Mm-mm, that's it. Wow. And, you know, the 80s in El Salvador, there was, like, civil unrest. I feel like, I think there's always civil unrest down in that area specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just worse in particular during that time. So, I just imagine she's just not alive. I think she would have come back. So, if there was something keeping her from me, she's not alive. And then I'm assuming, obviously, nothing about your biological father. Mm-mm. So these, uh, your parents adopt you when you're six months old, nine months old, and then 
so this woman brings you here to the States and that process and everything like that. And then your parents are like, yeah, we're going to adopt them. Yeah. And they already had your other two siblings, your brother and your sister? Uh, two. I have three sisters from El Salvador. My brother's from Provo. Provo. And they're all adopted as well? Yes. And none of you are, are, all of you are, none of you are biologically related? No. Okay. Well, maybe you got to ask some questions because I'm sitting here now forming a new... <laughs> I don't uh, even know what to A new like, wow. vision of Mike. Right. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. It's no. not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, it just speaks volumes, I think. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's fascinating to me. That is. I, I always journey. think it kind of affected me in ways I didn't, I didn't realize. I did date a girl in high school who would kind of talk about the possibility of my family. Like, what if you have a brother and what if they're thinking you right now? And that would always bring me to tears. And I'm like, wow, that is really a sad thing to think about is there might be a family out there, but there might not be either. And I'm not going to really dwell on that because I have my family here. I have my parents here. I have my life here again. Maybe that's avoidance. Maybe that's just me not wanting to confront this stuff that I feel like you're going to want me to confront. (laughs) But, But I'm content. I, let's matter of fact, I feel if the little girl didn't run into this woman, she would have gotten rid of me any way possible. So my options in my opinion or my viewpoint, I would be dead or I'm here. And anything I've experienced here for as shitty as it is, is uncomparable to death. Right. Yeah, for sure. It, It gives me good perspective. How old was the little girl? I don't know. They don't have any of that. No. Yeah, in my mind, she's like eight or nine. That was that's always kind of where I placed it as well. Yeah, yeah. really young, probably struggling herself. I don't know though. That is a crazy beginning of life. Mm-hmm. It just is. It's not normal, obviously. But what is normal, right? My right. life's not any normaler than yours. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I almost want to like pause. And sit here and contemplate it for a little while. Yeah, I feel like this puts you guys in a stupor and <laughs> like your faces right now. <laughs> Sorry. Much like, <laughs> it's, it's new information to process where it's like, well, how do you feel like in a real legitimate deep way? How do you feel that that, like I said earlier, the energy of that experience, how do you feel like that has come with you throughout your life? Mm, I think... You always hear that the adopted kids struggle with uh, connecting to their adopted parents. I definitely think regardless of age, that can happen with any child. And I do think I've always struggled with that with mine, that I've, I have always wondered if I do have birth parents out there, that that connection might exist and there's that desire to have that. But again, how do you even start what would you even do? A third world country like that, that's just so poverty stricken and war torn, but also beautiful. I understand it's still a tourist uh, attraction, but I don't know where you begin. That I do think it impacted me. You're right about that. I do think about that often, uh, but I don't know in what ways. I've never really figured that out. We'd have to start with this woman that went down there and got you. Mm-hmm. That's where the uh, that's where the uh, journey would begin. The yeah. documentary. It gets weirder from there, though. So <laughs> she also ran a daycare up here. So I do remember uh, I went to her daycare where she was kind of teaching, what is it where you assimilate, 
we were still learning Spanish, so she was raising us learning Spanish, but then we were also learning English as well. So it was a dual lingual kind of daycare preschool. Uh, you went there after you had already been adopted and everything like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it kind of felt like she just kind of segued the entire adoption process for the parents, right? Like This doesn't sound legitimate at all. <laughs> I, you know, and I would, I would say that I question its legitimacy as well. She was a wonderful woman. I remember running into her throughout my life, just working random jobs. Uh, sweet lady. Marta was her name. I don't remember her last name, but it was a good experience. I know basic Spanish because of her. <laughs> like, I can't complain about that. Wow. Yeah. There's some stuff. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, we got to talk about baseball or something because. Right. Wow. You need something lighter <laughs> than this? No, <laughs> it's not. Just like... It's just like I wasn't ready for that. I yeah. mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm just, I'm looking at you. I'm like, well, that's. That's a way to hit the ground running, you know, since <laughs> <laughs> you were just this pulling people to you and love and navigating through and your journey that you've taken from day one. Like that, sorry, that's some powerful stuff. Right. You got some, you got some juju going on. <laughs> that is some, and then the same, like I'm kind of torn with them because it's like this magical, beautiful story of all the stars. Al- I mean, it's tra- I'm sorry, right. but right. all the stars aligned in that sense where here comes Marta and this little girl and it just lined up perfectly with your parents and then there's the flip side of it is she happened to be there and your mom gave you to this girl and you go to the daycare like it also kind of does sound like so how like what does that feel like inside you it's a nice feeling I I do think uh I I'm going to get this story wrong, but I I believe my middle name was supposed to be something different. And my, my dad was taking me up. I was raised LDS, so I was getting my blessing. And he was taking me up, and he had this feeling that he should name me Salvador. So he goes up, he gives the blessing, Michael Salvador Wade. And I guess my mom looked up, she's like, uh, I don't remember agreeing to that. <laughs> uh, but I, I can't help but wonder if some of that feeling was kind of what you were saying, because Salvador means savior in Spanish, that I wonder if he felt like there was something greater in store for me than dying or getting lost down there, lost in a system, right? Like, I, I can't help but feel like, yeah, that there was something at play that kind of saved me that day. Wow. It's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Can't complain about that. Won't complain about that. (laughs) So I think it's also helped me to embrace my full name as well. Well, I am so glad you do. Mm -hmm. Agreed. beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Totally introducing you as Michael Salvador. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that. That's way cool, man. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know why. I think I had that knowledge somewhere in my brain. At some point you'd mentioned it, but... Definitely not that whole story. That is something that we could definitely go into. Right. There's definitely some feelings there for sure. There's stuff that we could definitely poke and prod and uh, slow down and connect with and feel for sure. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have to do it on the podcast. Absolutely not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not prepped for that. No. I'm glad you shared it though. I mean, I think it's super cool. Uh, Not like in a badge of honor, like, oh, look, Mike's the cool guy that was you know, brought up here from El Salvador. I think it's just a neat story, mm-hmm. especially knowing you the way that I know you and not even like, look at how far you've come or anything like that at all. It's just, I mean, that's just fucking cool. Right. Do you know what I mean? To have a, a the beginning of your life to have 
an experience like that be, that's a big experience. Right. I mean, to come from El Salvador is in South America. Central America. Central America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am terrible with geography. Right. I don't know if you know this about me, babe. Like if it's not in the U.S. or Canada or Mexico, yeah. done. I have no fucking idea where it's at. Yeah? Yeah. What about if it's in Ireland? Nope. Don't have a clue. Yeah? Don't Haven't know where you been I, there? I've been to Ireland. I don't know where it's what at. about? <laughs> I feel that's a pretty common like, right? thing to not excel at, though. Like, that's terrible American. I could say Glasgow, and I'd be like, I don't know what other things are by that. I don't. Is that in England or Ireland? I sound stupid now. But Glasgow? You, you sound Glasgow. stupid, but Glasgow. I look at you and Scotland, think I don't know. maybe? Yeah, see? Glasgow. Like, so, Did you say Glasgow or Glasgow? Glasgow. Well, they're the same thing, right? Accent? I don't know. Pronunciation. So really, it's a skill that like all See, of America, us suck at. I had a so um, one of the guys that I work with uh, with DreamPod and all the installs and shit like that. We have this customer that's in New Hampshire. Uh, no, they're not in New Hampshire. They're in no, they are actually in New Hampshire. I got to take a drink of water. But I was chatting with him, and we needed to go to that customer and take care of some stuff, and he was like. Yeah, like, uh, isn't it, you know, just hop on a bus, like just a little bus ride? I'm like, no, it's not a bus ride. <laughs> not get on the bus. It's a full day of travel. It's like two layovers and then a three-hour car ride. It's not just hop on a bus. Because for him, when he thinks about the States, he has no context of what it is, right? Yep. And over in, um, pause for, obviously, if you didn't realize that we are outside recording, this is the perfect time of day to record. Doesn't it Beautiful. feel good? Besides the uh, hillbillies on their motorcycles. Um, but he's That's from... your son. <laughs> it's not our kid. If it is, we got big problems. Uh, he's from Germany. So there it is just like a train ride or a bus ride to the next country. Yeah. And, you know, so it cracked me up. Anyways, where was I? El Salvador is in Central America. That's a long journey to come at the beginning of your life to end up here in Utah. It's a weird journey it's a very <laughs> to end up journey. in Utah. Yeah. Like, but LDS people do adopt a lot. That yes. It's like a big thing that they do. So I know plenty of other families with like four or five kids that are also adopted. That's cool. Think of all the hands this little baby touched being Going like carried through the journey. Oh, that's here sweet. You go. We have, you know, all the love that was put. Precious cargo. Yeah. Never thought about that. Here you are. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you've lived your life like in a, in a way that is worthy of that experience? Absolutely not. Not until now. I think I'm getting there, but I'd say again, 30, 30 was some weird defining point for me where I just realized I was not a good person. I was not in a good state of mind. I was not doing good for myself or anyone around me that it's been recently that I feel like I can finally kind of live up to my name or live up to what I expect of myself for sure. Do you feel like an adult now? Not because I don't, I don't think you ever feel like an adult. I am far from adult. I feel like there's probably got to be an age where you feel like you're an adult. No, I will never. I can promise you, I am one of those like young at heart kind of people. Like I still like stop motion. I still watch cartoons. Like really, what is the definition of an adult? Well, like for me, it's in my head where it's like one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like, 
I'm an adult. Like I'm a grown up. Like yeah. I'm a it's real 17 when you think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then after that, soon you never after you be. realize, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think there will come a time when like you really hit that place where you're like, I'm a grown up. Maybe not. I don't know. Cause 80. I, maybe 80, but I think by that point, like you realize the, now it's time to get serious about being an adult. <laughs> I should start getting my shit together. Fuck it, 80. That would be terrible. Yeah. No, I think about this often and Steph and I talk about it a lot where it's like, we're only like barely, barely, barely even halfway there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I remember being younger. I remember being a kid and a teenager and growing up and thinking like, God, like, I had a buddy of mine, my best friend growing up, he had older brothers. And I remember when we were like, in t- when we were teenagers in high school, his older brothers were like in their thirties. I'm like, oh my God, they are so old. I can't believe your brothers are that old. That just blew my mind. And that used to be like really, really old people were in their thirties. Yep. yep. And now we're almost in our forties and I'm like, holy shit, I do not feel that old at all. And I feel like right now I'm coming into like, a really sweet spot of life mm-hmm. where I'm able to um, like fucking live without, <laughs> you know, yep. all the chaos that ensues. I can actually relax and start to enjoy life and actually start to live life the way that I want to live instead of just feeling like I'm surviving the entire experience. I think the older you get, the more true that is. I used to say I wanted to die when I was 60. So I'd still have like all my motor skills intact, memory intact, like I was fully functional, I had my pride, but the closer you get to that, the more you find you're pushing that age limit older, like 80, 90, it's all okay, as long as I'm healthy, you know, like, I definitely think 30 comes up fast, 40 comes up fast, 50 comes up fast, and I think with each decade, you just get a little more mature, but the best adult, in my opinion, is one that has the recognition that I have responsibilities, but can still maintain that childlike like personality and the traits and the curiosities. So I don't think you ever should be fully adult or fully child, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like an adult, babe? Do I feel like an adult? Um, no, what I feel is... There's times I get disappointed in myself. I'm like, I am old enough to have this shit figured out by now. What the hell? Like, like as you like to say, you're a grown ass woman. But I can't figure out how to walk across the room and not spill coffee all over myself. So, like, <laughs> um, baby steps. One day you'll get there. <laughs> right. Well, maybe when I'm 80, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, when your coffee just shakes the whole time. Even worse. You can't even drink it. <laughs> the straw, like. <laughs> Um, I feel, I feel like, uh, I feel like my body is an adult, but I think my mind forgets to agree to that. Like there's times, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, yep, like that's, that's not how I feel. What's happening. That's not how I feel. So I I don't know. I don't think so. I wonder if 60 year olds look at us the way that we look at 20 year olds. How do Probably. we look at 20-year-olds? I feel like you're generalizing how I feel right now, Craig. <laughs> like, you don't know how I feel about them. <laughs> wow. Maybe it's... Yeah. yeah, come on. I look at 20-year-olds, and they all, across the board, seem very stupid. 
and oblivious. Goodbye. Twenty-year-old audience, and, uh, just <laughs> firmly you. with their head stuck up their ass. Yes, except for you, twenty-year-old that's listening. Yeah, if right. there's if there's a twenty-year-old listening, then yeah, yeah you obviously are ahead of the curve. You're you. an old soul. Yeah, the you, are, you are. The viewpoints expressed by Craig do not reflect mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I always think that like the generational thing where we look at the generation that's just right behind us. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, they're so silly. They haven't figured it out yet. And they don't know what they're doing. And look at almost how comical they are and the things that they're wasting their time and energy on and how unimportant those things are. And one day you'll grow up and you'll realize, right? Right. And Toddlers I wonder if, and diapers playing house. Yeah. And I wonder if 60-year-olds look at us and think, oh, God, look at those fucking silly 40-year-olds. Go ask your parents. Yeah. Yes, they do. I don't want to ask my parents anything anymore. Son says every 20-year-old. <laughs> no, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to talk to them. But do you feel like it's easier for you to remember like how you were like in your 20s and understand it than a 60-year-old to remember what it was like in their 30s? I don't know. Like I feel like generationally, is that a word? It is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like, make up words on this it's, podcast, yeah, it's, it's, so it's okay. Like their experiences growing up are far different than what mm-hmm. ours was, you know. And I feel like twenty to thirty, there's closer, like. Yeah, ties. yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I think a sixty-year-old's looking at a twenty-year-old as like an alien. At yep. this point, right? Fit on you with that. Yes. Where they're like, "What the fuck is that thing?" We have no idea what they're doing at all. Right. right. The words that, like, you think about that in culture and the way that, you know, in politics, where we've got all these old white men making decisions and running everything, mm-hmm. and then you've got all of these twenty-somethings yelling at them, complaining about the way that they're doing things. Well, and right. I think the old white men are like, "What the? These aliens are speaking a different language. We don't understand anything that they're saying." And what they want and their desires and all this kind of stuff, it seemed completely foreign to reality. Like, hello, wake up. You need to check into reality. That is a beautiful point and one that I hope we are better at because I do feel like, again, 60-year-olds when they were 20, the world was a different place. That sure. I hope our generation is uh, mindfulness and self-awareness enough that when we're 60, we're more able to still actually like try to see things from their perspective. Cause I feel that's what the issue is. It's like, they're still trying six year olds are trying to treat the world like it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And it's not, you can't do that. That I hope by the time we're 60, we're able to actually, I don't think we will, Mike. Oh man, don't Cause think about that. the 20 year olds that are going to be 20 year olds when we're 60. Reckless optimism. That they is me. Are, they are, they're one year old right now. <laughs> Right. Yes. And what is the world going to look like for them? Yeah. Having grown up with not just cell phones in their hands, but have you seen Elon's new neural implant shit that he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read it, but I saw that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not just cell phones anymore. It's a neural implant and link into your brain to where you just think your text or you move the mouse on your computer screen with your eyes instead of actually having to like, they're going to grow up in a world We're where- We're going to be so fat. we don't have to lift an arm anymore (laughs) so that 20 year old will live in a world where we walk on mars right and that's a normal thing right and at 60 we're gonna be like what that these guys they're so fucking (laughs) weird they're so crazy i don't think we'll be able i think but i think that's the way things work yeah i I think that is the lesson does it have to though 
I, I think what else does it look like if it doesn't look like that? With I enough disagree, with yeah. enough open mindedness and self awareness, I think you can remain open to the world and the changes that come with it. I, I really mm. have to believe that. You're starting to sound like a twenty five year old. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am like the last year of a millennial. So I do fit within them still. If yeah. That helps. Yeah. What were you gonna say, baby? You don't agree? I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all because I I don't think it's gonna look the same, and I don't have to. Like, you just look at yourself, for instance. Okay, is why you're sitting there being pretty staunch. I on, am pretty. This is that I'm you are sitting pretty. Here being pretty. But how much have you changed and changed your mind and realized that we don't have to do it that way? And has your way of thinking the fact that you have a generation that is like this is how it was, this is how it still should be and then you have the generations coming up regardless of the age. They're like yeah, this is the way it was but everybody's trying to do it better and are thinking differently. So I kind of, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being quite naive, I'm not sure, but I kind of think the generations of this is the way it is and this is, is that my phone? No. Okay, this is the way it is and this is the way it's should be or this way it will be because how whatever as it once was it shall be bullshit I think that is falling away because people are starting to be willing to look at things differently I think you think she's right here here yeah I think our generation meaning you and me Steph mm-hmm. not I mean because you're um, like two or three two years, years younger yeah so yeah. you're pretty much in our generation I fit both that's I think the, the great thing about where I'm at I still feel I think it's sad to say, and I don't like saying it, but I think like I'm probably like I, I was going to say 60, 40, but that didn't seem quite that was the reality is it's probably 60, 40, but I wanted to say it's more like 55, 45, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm probably more uh, grumpy old white dude than I am. Uh, open-minded millennial right and that 60 40 bounce like saddens me that 40 percent makes me sad that the 60 percent is still inside of there holding on to you know the uh the old ways yeah but um i think so i think our generation is the last generation where that will be the case because i don't see our kids doing that yeah i don't see our kids getting to this point in their life or into their 60s and having this uh, old crud inside of their bodies that just wants to like wave their fists at the sky at all these young uh, whippersnappers. I'll keep you young. (laughs) (laughs) May only be two years younger, but apparently my views are still even younger than my age. Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm sitting here thinking about it. I think you're wrong. In what in what way, babe? And how you describe yourself that way. I have yep. watched you change and evolve, and like you are not the same man that I met. You are not him. Like, <laughs> like you yeah. are growing at rates that completely, um, just like I can't. I don't even know how to say it. So but maybe like, maybe it's sixty forty the opposite way. Maybe you're afraid of that. Of what? that you're not growing and that's the way it's going to be or I don't know like it just doesn't make sense like you've changed so much yeah you're grumpy you're setting your ways with things absolutely I'm not denying that I'm not a senior over here not particular about your 
your things, but yeah, you but that's have not changed. what I'm talking. I mean, I know, not just a grumpy old particular man. You are like, not the same person. You're still accepting whether or not you want to be. You're still accepting. Oh, I'm very, like. very accepting. Which is, I think, to Stephanie's point, like you are accepting. Yes, and that's different than my dad. I won't even get into topics with him because it's just not worth it. Yeah, he can't accept the other side, and that is a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I agree. I am accepting, but like I'm accepting in the sense of like, I'm, I don't know if I should keep talking about this. I'm probably doing a terrible job, like (laughs) painting myself in this (laughs) corner. You think you are. (laughs) Mike and I are over here like, no, (laughs) that's not where you are. You play the devil's advocate with yourself and everybody else just to gain more perspective on different ways of thinking. That's true. I definitely play the devil's advocate thing, even with myself. Like I'm sitting here thinking about um, uh, like gender. And, you know, I think that's a really, it feels like the generation that's behind us is making that a really big deal for them where they want to finally just break free of those um, those gender stereotypes and those roles and the labels and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're really, uh, oh, what is the right word? Like heralding the change of that in culture and in the world, right? Right. And I'm all for it. And I'm super supportive and I'm very open-minded. And I'm like, yes, go do all of that. But there's only two, a man and a woman. <laughs> uh, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. You can call yourself whatever you want, feel whatever you want. We're going to acknowledge, recognize. We're going to do all of those things so everybody's included. And I absolutely believe that 100%. But there's only a man and a woman. But that's still you. Like you're still, even though you hold to that belief, you're still accepting of the other belief, which there are others out there that man and woman, that's it. Nothing else. I ignore everything else out there. So that still does say to me, you're moving in the right direction. You're very open. This made me think of something um, like, I won't fight for any of these thoughts. I'm not going to go to war. I'm not going to stand and protest. There's not really anything that I'm going to get up in arms about and go and march and protest and fight for with, with the exception of like, like, I'm not going to protest anything. I'm not going to go march in, you know, the streets of D.C. so that people have this right or that right or that these things are acknowledged. I don't think that's a part of who I am because of the way that I visualize and think about things. But I will go to war to protect people. Like, I'm not going to go march. Mm-hmm. But, like, if somebody starts killing all of us, I'm going to go to war and protect people. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can yeah. try to see where you're going. I think I understand where you're going. I feel like your point more was to the matter that you are concerned with the people in your world. I am very, I mean, yes, I'm definitely concerned with just the people in my world, but I think about these people that are like, you know, we have to get all of these rights for everybody. And, and I'm like, none of that's important. Right. When I think about it and from my perspective and the way that my silly little brain works, I always think like big picture. Right. Right. Happiness, um, being like, I don't care right. what but, other people think of me. But those rights 
can make other people happy. The result of them, right? Yes. But we, we're all dead soon. <laughs> so, I, so just roll over? No, it has nothing to do with roll over. But like in the big picture of things, and because I believe that we don't stop You're or end. You're being devil's advocate. I am being devil's advocate. I hate, it takes me so long to catch that. I, sometimes I get so stuck. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then like, I realize, he's such an oh, asshole. Who I is this man I'm married oh, to? Yeah. secretly stewing over here. Right? <laughs> yes. He does that. He doesn't give you a heads up. All of a sudden you're like, Okay. But it doesn't really matter, right? Because we're all going to die very soon in the grand scheme of things, right? Right. If we live a hundred years on this planet, that is literally not even a millisecond, microsecond of time. And then we continue on. So we don't stop. So does it really, are we really going to expend all of our time and energy trying to get um, all the gender pronouns in the constitution, or should we just enjoy the moment that we have right now and be present with everything that we have? I don't think you should uh, ignore the steps along the way, though. Everything uh, is important in the time, and you can still address the bigger issues that are ongoing. I mean, why just focus on one thing when we're great at, like, diversifying ourselves? You know, we don't have to focus on one thing. We can improve life as we go along. So at least... When we end up in a ball of destruction, at least we're happy, maybe. What, what do you think, Pam? What do I think? You're looking at me funny. Well, I just, I love how you do that because I'm sitting here thinking of all the things that you're creating and what you're doing, the way that you are making movement, you are making change, you are doing the things that you're saying you won't do. I'm like, you're such a shit. You like <laughs> pull off this like hardcore. I'm like, oh yeah, but you're doing all these wonderful things. So you're so full of it. And you get me all fired up because you think it's funny. Yeah, but almost everything I do is self-serving me. Well, I don't think you sit by yourself. But do you know what I mean? No. If that was the case, you would be up in the mountains right now by yourself. That's not true. Uh-huh. Because connection serves me. Helping people serves me. Like, the the connection that I have with Mike serves me. It serves him, too. It's a beautiful thing. It's the energy exchange that goes back and forth. But the reason I hold on to it... The reason I like fight for it, like, some, like you're kind of an ass sometimes and it's hard to like me stay connected because you don't respond and you don't like, yeah. I am yeah. not an ass. Do you, you want to ask him like the pot calling the kettle? I'm <laughs> just like, I'm definitely an ass as well. Like, I've um, only seen sweetness. So. But it's like it, uh, it serves me. And I think that the, everybody like, that's the really, I don't want to say that's like the dark secret, but like, that's the really mm-hmm. core of everybody. And if we all just accept that we're really serving ourselves first and then everybody else second, and that's not a bad thing. You're right. Then that's okay. Right. You know, me helping people, me wanting to create something to help people. Well, you have to help yourself first because you can, you can only help others as long as you're healthy as well. Yeah. True. You kind of have to come first. Hence why I slept all day today. I would have been <laughs> shit today, like I said, if I didn't sleep. That was entirely selfish. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I, I kind of want to out you. Go ahead, babe. I'm not going to. Oh, I don't make fun face. of my faces. What? Ooh, you're mean. Ooh. <laughs> what are you going to out me at? <laughs> you can. I kind of want to know. I No, it's like you're like... um. I don't know. Am I gonna? Am I gonna break your manly, your manliness? Am I gonna? 
I don't know. Yeah, because my man- manliness is so fragile. Well, no, it's not <laughs> fragile. It's just like, you know, you're not going to fight for it. Um, we'll just work it out in group. <laughs> you made it a point to, like, you were excited for Mike and I to get to know each other because of how much you care about him. So, like, you're like, yeah, because it serves me. Like, you've stated on multiple occasions how important Mike is to you. What kind of a person he is, how loving and sweet and how, like, so, like, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> like, it's not just yes, self-serving. But what I'm saying is, like, at the end, like, at the core, at the end of the day, like, the reason I wake up and live my life is because I want to. Like, okay. it makes me happy. I want connection with people. You're saying it different now. That I get, I, I get, and I kind of understood where he was coming before as well, where it's been the past two, three years for me, I've started to view friendships as they're either energy giving or energy taking. And if I have to invest a lot of time into someone and I come away from that experience drained emotionally, mm-hmm. like they just sucked the life out of me, mm-hmm. I have to be prepared if I want to keep them in my life and cognitive that that's the relationship I'm going to have and ask myself if it's worth it. Whereas I can walk away from an interaction with Craig and feel energetically satisfied. And I think he gets the same experience where that's the self-serving portion is like it's a friendship that gives and takes and doesn't just take, take, take. You know, that's that's the self-serving portion. That's the part that I think he's calling to. Okay. So I want to ask you, Mike. uh, We've known each other for like two years and I feel closer to you than I know than men that I've known you know 30 years and but the level of closeness and connection that you and I have there's times where like you'll show up a group or something like that and I can just tell whatever right I can just tell whatever the fuck's going on with you right just by the way you're talking the way you're moving the way you're kind of carrying yourself and everything like that Mm -hmm. so I think we have that that connection with one another but what do you think, oh, this was a very clear thought and question in my head and now as I'm trying to verbalize it. So you and I have, over the past two years, practiced connecting vulnerably with one another on a regular basis. And we have like fought the good fight to continue that practice with one another. And it has blossomed and flourished and it has been this cool thing that's taken place. But what has been, like, what is some of the shit about that? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is some of the difficulty about that? What is, what about that practice of connecting with each other in this real vulnerable way over and over and over and over again has been not just difficult because, I mean, it's easy to just say it's been difficult because, yeah, it's been difficult but what is some of the stuff that's been like really difficult about it? Some of the stuff that maybe you haven't even really thought about or do you know what I mean? I, I think I'll answer it in, in what I think you mean and you can ask me to clarify if I'm wrong. But for me, I think it's been easy from day one because the first day of group for me was like we talked about a month or two after my brother passed away. Like I was in a vulnerable place. I needed connection like that's when you need it the most that I was readily available and easily accepting of it that it's been nothing but easy 
I think at times where it's difficult to connect or you aren't getting the responses from me or vice versa that are looked for is because I am a, I'm learning that I am aware when there's stuff that I need addressing, but I don't quite feel ready to address it. Like your comment two weeks ago at group stuck with me where I finally kind of had a breakthrough and you were like, it's great to have you back. It's been a while since I felt connected to you. And I just like inside my heart just broke. I'm like, this is so sad and beautiful and like awesome. But it's true. I had been disconnected because I didn't want to bring up the things that I had brought up, you know, is that like, cause it, having that knowingness inside of you, right? Having that part of you that is aware of that thing, even though you don't want to address it or think about it. And you may not even, you know, consciously be aware of it, but there's a part of you that has that knowingness. Like, has that been challenging and hard? No, I, I think here's what I've learned as well. When people say, I don't know, they know they have an answer. They just don't want to verbalize it or they don't want to express what it is that they know. You know, I've been confronted with things recently where I've wanted to just throw out there, I don't know, but I've been like, no, you do. You're aware of what you're feeling. You're aware of your answers. You're just afraid of them. You need to just say them. And I've done that. And it's been difficult, but it's a practice that I haven't quite gotten down with all aspects of my life. Admitting certain things to people is still difficult. I think it always will be. So I don't know is an easier way to go about it or... Acting like everything okay is okay is an easy way to go about it. But inside, I feel the guilt only makes your ability to connect even more difficult. Well, shit. <laughs> well, shit I, what? I'm going to go in the house now. I'm done. <laughs> Holy. All right. What? What about that? Hit you, babe. Um, when he started. And then all of it. <laughs> and I don't know. Just kidding. I've put a lot there. of work into wow. like who I am at this moment in time and what I believe and what I think and how I act. And at times I think it sucks. I think self-awareness sucks, mm -hmm. but there's a pride behind it as well when you can own up to how you are. That I was, if you had talked to me at 30, I was a, a self-indulgent, self-conceited, self-centered asshole. You know, the asshole's still there apparently, but <laughs> at least there's awareness to it that I know when I'm doing it and I can stop it. I don't think you're an asshole. <laughs> well, I don't think you're an asshole either. I'm like the person that obviously I don't know you. Right. I don't know you very little with these small interactions, but you don't have an asshole vibe, oh, you know? Believe so, me. So it's there. Um but yeah. like, it's easy, like it's comfortable to be around. You don't have that like static that right. doesn't feel good. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, all oh, your work, you. it's just, it's amazing. You say these things and I don't know, maybe it's just the month because there's been so much that has been coming up. It's like, I thought I've been doing good. I thought I was working on myself. And then yeah. all of these like, Oh, apparently I have not it. that's the beauty of connections though that's the beauty of new relationships that's yeah. the beauty of like I being a single person and going on dates much preferred getting down to the nitty gritty of this shit than hey do you like to bowl or do you like to <laughs> play baseball like this is the stuff that I look for that I yeah. crave is just deeper connection learning from you and you learning from me have just I taught you anything? Honest. 
Uh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> like, thanks think, for throwing think, me in that mix. I think uh, what what I've been thinking in my head about you is I appreciate and enjoy the energy you bring. <laughs> like you are That's a very right. happy. I feel the happiness coming from you. Does that really? Yes, and your Aww. relationship with Craig sitting here is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's just been apparent, and I just feel that warmth stemming from you guys. So yeah, I am learning something from you, and that is again connectivity. Thank you. I didn't think there was going to... Well, thank you. I'll just take it. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Ooh, move on. I think one of the <laughs> hardest things for me over the course of our friendship and the way that it's uh, grown and evolved and things like that is um, how uncomfortable it is to continually put yourself out there and to risk. I feel like oftentimes, even though I have a part of me that is like, no, that's not really the case... But oftentimes I feel like I'm risking our friendship with the things that I say (laughs) or the vulnerability or the, do you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like saying to you two weeks ago or something like that, you know, shit that I'll say to you at group sometimes. Oftentimes I feel like I'm risking our friendship because of this stuff. But I like, I still do it even though it feels that way. Because I have this greater part of me that's like, no, like the process itself is me speaking what I am feeling, right? Sharing my experience, expressing how I'm really feeling right now in the present moment. And if that hits you a certain way or whatever the case may be, then so be it. But that's, I think, been the hardest part for me is that constant thing of not only feeling like I'm risking our friendship, but also feeling like so raw and vulnerable and um, risking our friendship on the opposite end where suddenly you're no longer going to like me, not because of something that I said, but simply because you're going to really see me. You're going to really, do you know what I mean, know who I am and realize, oh, this guy's a fucking loser. He's, he's crazy, yeah. I, you know. And so that's the other part of it where that constant state of risking myself and putting myself out there in this really raw, vulnerable way is hard. Yeah. And it hurts often. And like I'm kind of, something just got really quiet. Eerie. Wow. Did you hear something in the background disappear? I'm changing the subject because I feel uncomfortable. No, I I want to continue down this because I love that you brought that up and want to talk about that. I think Steph would agree a beautiful friendship or a beautiful relationship of any kind is being able to go down that path and come out of it. And there are very few people in my life that I can do that with. I have one coworker that we will bicker and I will snap at him and we will sometimes get pretty snooty with each other. He'll apologize. I'll apologize. And I will look at him and say, I don't know many other people that I can have this dynamic with and I respect it and I like it because I can get angry at you, we can have our disagreement, and we can move on. And I think it's the same with you. Even if you take me down these darker corridors that I don't want to go down, and I might dislike you and throw daggers at you, like in my head, uh, I recognize it's for the good. And I recognize we can work past that, you know, even just... I was at a friend's house earlier and she had a little like comic on her fridge that said, uh, doesn't matter if you get upset at somebody, you can still love them. And I think that's true. And that's important to remember. It's a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to remember. 
Yeah, it is. It's just hard. (laughs) I mean, are there times you hold yourself back because of that fear? Like you, because you did bring up, I come into group with a certain vibe and I do feel sometimes you take it easy on me. Is it due to that fear of wanting to actually call me out? Uh, Sometimes I'm sure it is, right? Sometimes I'm sure that that's a factor, uh, that fear. And then I think there's oftentimes too where, you know, I may feel like, it's just not the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I have a pretty good barometer for that too sometimes where I can recognize and realize that, oh, it's just not the time. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not, it doesn't always have to be, like our friendship doesn't always have to be deep emotional work at all costs. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's silly. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that, that that's not a friendship. <laughs> that's not one that I want to be in, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I think sometimes it's just their awareness that it's just not time or the timing isn't there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, there is that other component too, where there's time where it's, you know, fearful because I don't want to jeopardize or, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm getting all sad and, uh, I feel like an asshole now. Wait, it's a beautiful thing. There's nothing to be sad about. <laughs> no, I'm feeling like this little self-pity party of, um, I mean, it's, it's how I feel often at group where I, you know, I feel ostracized and it's mostly in my head of me ostracizing myself from the group. How much of that is the role of the mediator though? It I is. mean, you, you are supposed to be a part of it, but you're also not a part of it, you know? And you've been great at trying to teach some of us more senior seniority how to like also lead others down that path and I hope relieve some of that pressure and stress for you. But historically it has just been on your shoulders to do that. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting there. And then how how does this cause again, I'm not relationship, I'm not in one. How does this work for you too. When you come home from group, like I leave in a sort of euphoria, you know, I often describe the scene from fight club where he has finished his first like men's group session. And he's like, I slept like a baby like that night. (laughs) That's what I picture. And that's what I feel I experience. But I don't know what it's like to come home and kind of maybe have that euphoric feeling and want to share that or not, or what's the connectivity like after group for you? And what do you feel from him? That's a good question. Baby, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stall Chicken tactic, shit. right? <laughs> um, well, it depends. There's nights that, because it's usually, you know, it's in the evening. And whether it's, we're just getting the kids, I'm just getting the kids to bed or they're in bed. However, if it's during the school year, it's usually they're in bed and trying to get things ready. But he'll, uh. I don't know. There's times he comes home. He also has that drive by himself to kind of like process and go through. But it's usually he'll be say it was a good night or and then just, I don't know, kind of go to bed. I get I'm in the dark a lot. I get left in the dark. I'm kind of like you can probably tell, though, can't you? Like when I get home, whether or not it was a good night or it wasn't like I'm sure you can feel the thickness on me sometimes. I I definitely can feel the thickness on you sometimes when you get home and it. It sucks because, you know, it's usually you 
getting in bed, turning over, and disappearing. And I'm just like, yeah. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't get a lot of that part of you. I feel like that's reserved. A for, lot of what, like the feeling good part, like the feeling good or the feeling like heavy. I feel like that's just like I don't really get. I don't really get that much of it. Like you could, you could, uh, I I tell her this all the time and you can definitely attest to it. So she like understands it on a different level. Like I'm not good at that anywhere. Like I don't do great at sharing any of that at group or with anyone. It's not just my beautiful, amazing (laughs) wife. (laughs) That made me feel worse. Why did that make you feel worse? Because I had this thing, like I had this uh, sadness about me with group and it was like, I feel like you hold everything in. I mean he had a you talk does like, regardless but that that broke my heart because I thought you hold everything in for Sunday you save it all for them I don't get to be a part of this we don't work things out you hold all the emotions and what you're going through for Sunday and I was upset by it yep. it's like, like we're married like we have a life where you know some of this needs to be here and then you said that you don't allow it all you don't allow much of it to come out there either and then that was crushing I was like oh my god you can't just keep all that in. Like, that was worse. I that think, was way worse. Like, no, please, let it out with them at least. At least you've got, like, all these support, these people that you talk about that means so much to you, and you have this, and, like, I, I'll get feelings about how he feels about you guys. Yeah. You know? Like, like I said, I was going to out. I'm like, I know what you mean to him. Right. But I don't know what, like, I don't know. He just rolls over. (laughs) There's an inherent danger, I think, in becoming too self-aware and too good at the practice of it. Uh, And I think Craig is a great example of that, where it was maybe a month ago, I did call him out because we do try to get him to that place. Uh And he can argue in circles. He can shut down everything. And I said, Craig, stop it. I know what you're feeling. You need to stop like batting everything we say and just feel what you're feeling because this is bullshit. You expect us to go down this path time and time every Sunday, but you're not allowing yourself to do that because you know everything. You can handle it. You can process it. You can deal with it, but you I, can't. That was the most you. bold I'd ever I been, I think. I love you. Yeah, like, no. I love you. Right. Like, wow. Thank you for saying that to him. But I think I- with that much self-awareness, you can become too perfect in your head it uh oh. that was a beautiful thing and that what? was a beautiful moment and i did yeah did you, know, you i did yeah yeah i had a big release oh. i had a big moment of feeling what i was feeling and express not expressing it verbally but i mean that's the thing like at the end of the day my favorite moments are when we don't have any fucking words when it's just the man feeling the feeling Right. And that's the expression of what's coming out is just that emotion and that feeling that's coming through. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had in that moment. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely overthink and analyze and run circles around even myself quite often. No, no. I think the term was argue circles. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm getting better. You know, that's my always like fallback. Like this thing, I, I, I've been doing this for a very, very long time. And baby, you might be able to help me. I don't remember when, but I finally got to this point with like my self-development and looking at myself and trying to do all of these different things where I realized that it was a practice. And when I just let go of like 
succeeding or failing or, you know, fucking up or not doing it the right way or falling back into old routines and habits and all these kind of different things and just really started to embrace the whole idea that I'm practicing all of this stuff. Initially, it was like, well, that's just a cop out. And I still struggle with that sometimes where I'm like thinking I'm just using it as an excuse. But I think the more and more and more and more I have embraced that aspect of it, things have just gotten so much easier. Because, yeah, I still struggle. I still get caught into my routines and the habits that I don't like, the ones that I'm not, you know, and I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it when I'm in those moments and I'm aware of that that's what I'm doing and this is what's happening and I'm frustrated and angry about it, you know, but the, the thing in the back of my head, that's like, dude, you're just practicing. Okay. I'm just practicing. And then it relieves all of that tension and all of that stress and all of that, you know, shame and blame and everything that I throw on my shoulders. It's like, oh, I'm just practicing. And I think that's been the biggest, uh, shift because everything else takes so long. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Changing the way that you process and feel and think and move through life and really look at yourself and how you feel, it's a long-ass fucking process. Do you guys recall the first kind of initial step down this road or down that road? Like, for me, it was pride. I think that was the first thing I had to learn how to, like, swallow and just realize not everything needs to be a battle, realize not everything needs to be a discussion and just kind of learn to let certain things go or not be right all the time. But I can't imagine that pride is the first thing that everybody needs to address in their step towards awareness and connectivity. We all have our own demons or things that are prevalent in our life. I mean, was it different for you or do you remember that? Um, well, the little fly. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, There's so many times when we record out here and she's got these tiny fucking bugs and she like freaks out and she's moving all over and she's hitting the fucking microphone <laughs> and then she'll be like, sorry. And like, baby, nobody knows what you're apologizing for. Nobody well, saw you. She said you. little fly this time. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. Little fly. Okay. Uh, right. What the fuck does that mean? Little fly. <laughs> I love you. That's all. It's a self-centering phrase. <laughs> it's your mantra it's just, to bring you back to center. Fly, it's a little fly. It's okay. It's a little fly. Um, I think. I think myself. Um, the first one, the first biggest thing was to to stand by, to stand up and say that's not okay for me. To be able to say no, I don't want that, or that's not going to work for me. That's not okay for me. Um, and be willing to lose everything by saying that. And then uh, to also find out that I'm wrong a lot was hard. Yeah. Because you are so quiet and so internal that it's like you only have yourself to talk to. And then that story that you've been telling yourself might have been wrong. And then you're like, oh, shit. So that. what about you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I kind of had a hard time. Like, what do you mean by your question? So for me, one of the things, it is kind of personal. One of the, one of the, the, the bad points in my marriage that I contributed to was my 
inability to budge on my opinion. I was always right. It didn't matter to what extent. And it would, it was a terrible thing. Um, that when her and I tried a relationship after being divorced, I started practicing that at that time where I would do something still thinking she was wrong. And I had to kind of like swallow that pride to be like you were saying, no, I'm wrong. I need to recognize I'm wrong. I need to shut up, just apologize and swallow that part of me that wants to argue, you know, that wants to insist that I'm right because at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. So that's, that's kind of just a small example of what I mean is I had to learn to just accept the fact that I'm not right all the time, probably far fewer than I think I am. I don't think I've gotten there yet. I think that's probably something that I'm uh, consciously aware of, right? Totally aware of. It's not like I walk around thinking that I, like consciously thinking that I'm right all the time, but subconsciously I've got like, I remember being a little kid, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before too. Like I remember being a little kid and getting in trouble like at school and being sent to the principal's office and standing there thinking like, fuck you, bitch. Like, you don't fucking know a goddamn thing. I'm way fucking smarter than you are. You're telling me shit that I don't have to fucking listen to. I know exactly what I'm doing and what I want. And I'm just going to sit here and play your little fucking game. Because what are you going to do to me? You can't do shit. I'm going to get out of this fucking office. And I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. Right. Right. I remember having that, not necessarily in those exact words, like I probably didn't talk with all the fucking swears in my head when I was eight years old. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the energy, the, the feeling behind it was that strong of just like such obstinance and knowingness that I'm like, I'm right, they're wrong. So I think I still have that streak inside of me, but <clears throat> I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that my willingness to compromise, my willingness to... I can see your eyebrows uh, nope, from fucking nope. here, Steph. See, <laughs> but I'm not even looking at you. I, and I automatically am going to, is this another devil's advocate thing? Like, that's where I immediately went to. <laughs> this one is not. Okay. This one is not. No. <laughs> no, but I... Like, like, Mike, if you knew me longer than you've known me, like, the level of my ability to let things go today is so vastly different than it was three, four, five, ten years ago. Right. Do you know what I mean? There is, there is a balance to that because there was a period there where I, I think I was letting everything slide off my back and just let pretty much everyone kind of have their way. And I found myself questioning that and being like, where do you draw that line of like, okay, I'm wrong in this instance. I should reserve my opinion versus whether or not I'm right or wrong, I want to voice my opinion. There is an important difference between those two that I'm having to learn and had to learn that there are instances where I will say, okay, I am wrong, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And I still think that's important because you shouldn't necessarily let everything go. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's like owning your experience, right? And speaking your experience and sharing that with people that matter, right? The important people in your life, right? For sure. I don't think I answered your question. Um, I remember not that long ago getting to a point in my life where what it felt like 
inside was that I was going to break again. And if I broke again, I didn't know if I was going to come out of it. Like whether that was going to look like um, like total destruction of my marriage with Stephanie, uh, losing all my kids, being a drunk, worthless, you know, working at some factory, driving a forklift, going home each night to some shitty fucking apartment and watching the same old fucking action movies I've watched my whole life. Or some sort of real mental, not breakdown, but like snap. Or just like death, killing myself. And I, in some way, shape or form, I think I got to that point not not to the point of like considering suicide but I remember just the overwhelming feeling of like I'm breaking and I don't want to break and so I need to do something yeah. <laughs> so that I don't break and then from that point everything started to change in one way shape or form right were you aware of this we we go through these uh things where I sense things and I try to talk to him about them and I'm always wrong. So there's a lot of times when I feel things um, but he's also really good at making me think that I'm wrong. Um, I can sense things but then I believe I'm wrong. He never told me. Right. So as far as like him expressing it to me, having that there's you have to like trust what people say yeah. in a sense. I didn't have that, but this is why it's also hard for me to not keep pushing things when I feel things so strong, or, which drives you crazy when I don't just listen to what you're telling me, your words. Listen to the words that I'm telling you. Were you able to see the changes at least? You've seen the growth. I've, I've seen the growth, and I also see the... Um, Like the ups and flows, right? Yeah. It's, like you say, the ups and downs. I'm really scared right now, though, because it, um, how do I know when to not push a boundary of yours that's not mine to push and keep trying to be there for you keep trying to wade through that and then to help you in those things or when I'm creating a problem by doing that and I should just get out of the way like how how do I trust that how do I know because you get loud enough and I, I listen and I, I stop I get out of the way that's what I do are you kind of asking me um no hypothetical because your answer will change. <laughs> well, first off, dear. I'm, I don't know what to feel right now. I know like, you said you're scared and I know why you're scared and all that jazz, but. Maybe. Maybe you don't know everything. See, I, I put that emotional <laughs> responsibility on Craig to be aware of himself and to be able to verbalize to you. This isn't a path I want to go down or this is a path I want to go down. Like that's not an expectation that should be for you. 
and I don't mean that in a, in a rude sort of way. I'm just saying you're putting an added stress on yourself trying to press these paths for him to open up when he needs to be aware, when he wants to be open and when he doesn't, and also express that to you. Again, that's just what I believe. But one's own emotions and feelings and connectivities are theirs to own and nobody else's. We wouldn't be together. If what? If you had but I didn't keep trying? Oh, yeah. No, baby. You definitely hung on. And, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. Why? We're here. Like, it's, <laughs> like he's we right. It. It's up to you. I can't do it. It's up to you. Either you talk or you don't, but... Meanwhile, I don't, like... But I've never gotten the sense, though, that he doesn't ever express himself or talk or connect with you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> this podcast is terrible. We're mm -hmm. done. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, no, I think that's... I, baby, you and I both know where we're at. You and I both know where, not only, like in our relationship and over the course of our relationship, but you and I both know where we're at right now. Yeah. We both know what's going on in our lives right now. Yes. Right. So that, that has colored everything for us over the past several weeks. Yeah. Right. But yeah. that's a temporary shade in this experience and in this life. Um, yeah. I am not in any way, shape or form feeling like that broken man that I was three, four, or five years ago. Okay. Not at all. Not even remotely close. Okay. I feel so, like, literally night and day fucking, like, I literally feel like a different person than I did five years ago. I think about when I got fired from being a police officer mm -hmm. and everything that happened after that fact. Yeah. And I think about the way that I was before that. Yeah. I don't feel like that at all. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I bring on the energy of a police officer or the person that I was back then, I can definitely bring it up. Yeah. But it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It doesn't feel like me. It very much feels like, okay, Craig, today you're going to go out on stage and you're going to perform and you're going to be the police officer that you used to be and you know how to do that. Okay, I can do that. And I can go and do that. I can I can pretend to be that person that I was, but it's not me. And I feel more me today than I ever have in my whole entire life. There were so many times in my life where I felt like that's what I was doing, was pretending to be something else that I wasn't really. And I can definitely do it, and I can do it well. But today, right now, like this is who I am. This is me. And I feel more me than I ever have before. And I don't feel broken. I don't feel on the verge of breaking. You know, I don't feel lost in despair. It's not to say I'm fucking unicorns and fairy tales and all sorts of happiness all the time. I'm in the thick of emotion and I'm feeling it. But I feel so much more present, connected, and like skilled. Whereas before it felt like chaos. Like think back to when you were in the throes of emotional chaos and how crazy it felt. And now it still feels that way, but you feel more prepared for it. You feel more skilled. You feel more present in it. And that's how I feel. 
I don't think you understand what I'm scared of. I don't. Do you, you don't have to tell me either on the podcast. It's I'll obviously tell you. Okay. Like maybe when you're editing it, you'll hear it. Maybe if you go back and hit play, you'll hear it. I'm very much hearing you right now. It kind of sounds like you're like, I'm not that man. I'm not that man. I'm not broken. I'm not that. You don't have to. And it's, it's not about that. It's about feeling so lost, feeling that slip, feeling so alone and not talking to me like not letting me just sit next to you while you feel that it's like you you have to do all that on your own clean all your shit up get everything back in order before you can present yourself to me and that's like that's not that's bullshit <laughs> that is bullshit but that's how I was when we met I know and I'm not that person anymore I think I'm hearing stretches in your future. <laughs> Have you, we were doing monthly stretches for the podcast. Yeah. So we were trying to come up with one for August. I think we might just have hit upon. What's a maybe. good one? Let's hear it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to go down that. That's no, no. not a can of worms I want to be a part of. What do you think is a good stretch for us or, or for me? What are you hearing for me? I think what I interpreted her thing as, which a lot of men I think suffer from is actually appearing vulnerable. And I think it sounds like you're struggling with being vulnerable around her. You want to have so. all your P's and Q's in order before you're presented to her. Yeah. I give Steph just glimpses of my vulnerability. Right. I give her quick flashes of it. I don't give her long in-depth uh, vulnerability sessions. And I think that's all she's asking for. So your stress stretch should be like once, at least once. Right. Once what? This month. Once what, just, motherfucker? When, once what are you this month. Say? Just, just <laughs> be vulnerable. Oh, Mikey. <sighs> yeah, that's a good stretch. Yeah. And I'm dumb because I'm like, oh, it'll be more than once. I mean, it's the whole idea again, go back to that. I, that comic strip will forever be burned in my head of like, you can be upset at someone and still love them. And I think that applies to the whole spectrum of feelings. You can be sad at somebody and still love them. We forget that. Yeah. It's the switch for me. It's not like I remember when I'm sad or I'm upset with somebody that I still love them. But um, my brain interprets, oh, if you're upset with me, you no longer love me. So it's not that I stop loving, it's that I'm no longer lovable. Right. And I panic. Well, maybe that's... Okay, baby, that's my stretch for August. <laughs> yeah. Is I'm going to practice vulnerability with you. Specifically Come with you. August. <laughs> like, my stretch for uh, July was just receiving feedback. Yeah. Like, when people gave me any sort of positive feedback, I would let it sink in, let it absorb, really believe it, really take it, right? So I suggested this right on the right cusp of time. <laughs> yes. You <Yeah>, did. Because <laughs> next yeah. month, you could have just moved right on. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be my stretch for August, is to practice vulnerability with Stephanie. And I, but I'm with you in what you have expressed to other newer members of the group as far as don't push it. And for even you to be aware, like just one instance is better than nothing, right? Like it gets easier from there, I hope. I don't know. Again, I feel like I'm doling out therapy advice when I should just step back and be like, no. No, I think no, you back, at, yeah, back, back at the beginning, the uh, master social. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think it's totally <laughs> applicable. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a no. I've always thought that about you, Mike. As soon as you start speaking from your heart, you bring such clarity. Such fucking clarity. Thank you. Yeah. You're not the first I've heard that from. Yeah. Well, guys, anything else, babe? Are you no longer scared? Everything's fine, right? We can move on. <laughs> yeah, no, I have uh, there's so much. Like, I... I hope you come back and do this again. There's a lot that we can talk. In. Like, we don't need to hit record either. I just hope you come hang out and we can talk. Sure. Because, wow, you're awesome. Yeah, no, I was nervous to come out here, like, this whole time. New people stress the shit out of me. I just, I am such an awkward, and I know you may not see it, but again, I think I'm like a dog. I often compare myself to one energetically, where if somebody is putting off a good energy and a relaxed vibe, I can work with that. But if it's kind of awkward to begin with, I feed into the awkwardness and make it even worse. I bumble, I stumble, I fall. <laughs> you know, I've had experiences where people were talking about their experiences abroad and how beautiful it was. And my contribution to that conversation was one time I went out of the country, I got threatened with racist threats and I felt scared to my life. So I don't know about traveling out of the country. <laughs> Two of the people looked at me and walked away. I'm like, shit. Well... There goes that. <laughs> and I, I'm still friends with them. I've talked with them about that situation since then, and they totally didn't read it that way. But it was me reading into it and feeling that, right? But it's still awkward as shit. Yeah. I connect with that. Yeah. I'm not awkward at all. There's never <laughs> an issue with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I connect with that. That is very much me. We're going to go do an ice bath. Now. Are we? Okay, yeah. I'm ready. Yes. I describe my power animal as like one part penguin, one part piglet, and one part millhouse. Why just focus on one thing when we're great at like diversifying ourselves? The best adult, in my opinion, is one that has the recognition that I have responsibilities, but can still maintain that childlike, like, personality and the traits and the curiosities.